0: What's the weather going to be like today? It's a question nearly every Staten Islander asks themselves each morning before leaving the house. But finding weather conditions specific to the borough
1: has been nearly impossible until now. You rely on official sources of forecasting and official sources of temperature data, precipitation data, wind speed and things along those lines. But a lot of that data really isn't specific to Staten Island. Often for temperatures, we rely on the National Weather Service, their flagship climate station is in Central Park, which isn't exactly that close to us. But basically, I ended up settling on uh, a station called the Davis Vantage Pro 2. I'm just excited to see the capabilities of it and and see really like what it can do over longer periods of time. We'll be able to give a greater level of specificity to Staten Islanders and um, give them a better sense of what's going on. And the same thing for storms. When when we're talking about massive gusts happening, we, we may be able, and hopefully we will be able to say at some point, You know we clocked a 60 something mile an hour gust at this point and you know that'll sort of uh give us a picture of when was the worst part of this storm that's the sort of coverage i'm sort of envisioning now but the opportunities are probably wider than that i I feel like i'm I'm looking at it through a a hole right now but there's, there's a lot more there
0: Welcome to the Staten Island Advances from the Scene, a podcast bringing you an inside look at the biggest stories on Staten Island with the reporters who cover them. I'm your host, Eric Bascom, and this week I'm joined by Staten Island Advance climate reporter, Joseph Ostapiuk, to discuss our brand new weather station and how it will improve our coverage of all things weather moving forward. Thanks for joining me today, Joe. You know, we made uh, some improvements to the podcast room recently we've got our producer Jason outside now with a, with a full board we've got cameras all over the place it made me think back to the fact that me yeah. and you started this podcast what over 2 years ago now during the height of the pandemic and it was a much different experience was,
1: what we were doing it was a little bit difficult to convey obviously we have the cameras here now everybody could see it but I mean, I was in my kitchen. I'm sure you went to the same spot every time. You know, we're sending iPhone audios from reporters, hoping that they press record and making sure we get on our side, doing it over Zoom. That was a a nightmare in terms of just technically getting it operational during a pandemic where we were remote but this is uh it's it's, it's really cool to see the changes that you guys have done here.
0: It was a lot logistically <laughs> when we first got started there and we had some issues here and there with mm. people not recording or people having things in the background you had people who had their kids at home behind oh, yeah. them pets hopping mm-hmm. into the screen you know <laughs> clicking pens and oh, yes. and uh phones ringing and all this kind of stuff now it's a little bit more controlled we're in the room we've got our nice SI live background we've got some soundproofing going on here so we're hopefully not bothering the other people outside too much. Yeah. It is really nice, but it was just ha- having you on specifically since me and you are the ones who kinda got this going and got this off the ground, it's it's crazy to see how
1: far we've come. Yeah, the uh, uh, every example you just said like just popped up another repressed memory I had <laughs> of some nightmare we had to deal with. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so if you go back and you listen to some of the early, early episodes of this, you will probably notice a little bit of a different quality, I would yeah. say. But it was good. We got our feet wet, and we you know, we, we we thrived in the adverse conditions. If we so got that t-
1: done, this the, the this will be a walk in the park, right? So. <laughs> exactly. So
0: thank you again for coming on today. I, I appreciate having you on as always. And I wanted to talk about this thing that you've been kind of working on in the background for months now, I yeah. imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Getting this this new weather station up and running here at the Sat Advance. So I'm curious, kind of before we dig into the specifics here, is this something that you pitched? Why did you think that we need this? Why does Staten mm-hmm. Island kind of need its own weather station? How, how did this all kind of come together?
1: Yeah, thanks for the question. I I mean, over the past few years, we've obviously had our fair share of extreme weather events. But in between those, we, we also cover the run of the mill stuff, the passing thunderstorm, the couple days of high heat. And throughout that time, you know, you rely on official sources of forecasting and official sources of temperature data, precipitation data, wind speed, and things along those lines. But a lot of that data really isn't specific to Staten Island. Often for temperatures, we rely on the National Weather Service. Their flagship climate station is in Central Park, which isn't exactly that close to us. So we use often the one closer to us, which is in Newark Airport, which tends to run a little bit hotter than Staten Island really is. Just by nature of it. And the same thing for 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 rainfall too. I mean, we're using, you know, some of these rainfall gauges that are not exactly on the borough. Now, there are a few hobbyists on Sutton Island that report, but it came clear to me that there was maybe an opportunity for us to get involved in this ourselves and sort of make our own period of record. And, you know, I actually spoke to some people at the National Weather Service when I was sort of moseying around with the idea like how feasible. Is it really how mm-hmm. hard it is? You know, we're, we have to run a newspaper here. So I, I, I couldn't make the weather station a around the clock sort of hassle for us. So spoke to some people and, and they, they were interested in it too, because they, they like the specific data. They like having reliable sources of data for, for weather events and just to get a better picture of what's going on in New York City. So When I saw they were on it, it sort of led me to believe we're probably on the right path for this. Mm -hmm. And then that's sort of the motivation behind it.
0: Yeah. And I'm curious, when you brought this to the editors, or the the powers that be, so to speak, here, were they just as excited about it as you
1: were? What was that kind of conversation like? For sure, yeah. My my boss, Eddie Dan on the Breaking News team, he's super interested in a lot of the Staten Island-specific stuff, especially when it comes to storms. I mean, we've seen a lot of them roll through here and we see the differences in things like precipitation and and that stuff sure during the run of, run of the millstorm doesn't really matter that much but when we're talking about extreme weather like Ida we see the the limits of our infrastructure we see the dangers it can pose to people in their homes and that's where that data matters a lot more and sure it may only you know come up in the form of color in some of our stories you know maybe you or you know, maybe maybe another reporter writes something, and this only ends up being that one paragraph. But I, I felt like it was worth it to have that added detail that we have that we could say from this point to this point, this many inches of rain fell on Staten Island. And I think it's an, you know it's it's something that you're gonna see hopefully soon starting to pop up in our stories. And and yeah, they were definitely excited to to get it going.
0: The theme here, which we've talked about on other podcasts as well, is that we want to be as hyper-local as possible, mm-hmm. right? So anything that can get us more specific Staten Island data mm-hmm. as opposed to just using NYC-wide, like you said, Central Park really isn't that close to us. Mm-mm. Newark Airport with all the, you know, the asphalt and concrete, yes. the temperatures are going to be higher than mm-hmm. they are here on Staten Island with all the greenery that we have. Anything that we can do to get more specific and kind of pin it down to Staten Island, I think is something that they're generally interested in. Mm-hmm. So I think that this was a, a great idea And so I'm curious now, you've decided that you want to do this. You've talked to the editors, they're on board with it. How did you kind of proceed from there? What was it? How do you figure out, like, where do you buy a weather station? Did you go on Amazon? Did you go on eBay? And and just tell me a little bit about how you figured out what it was that we needed to, to buy here and then what it was like kind of getting it up and running.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was something that I relied on some experts, the National Weather Service expert who actually retired, but he very graciously spent time speaking with me on the phone uh, on a few occasions, just giving me some insight. Did a lot of going through forums and seeing what people who who use these sites basically say. And people who track the weather are often very meticulous about the devices they use to track the weather, which is great because I wanted to, you know, to know about the capabilities, some of the the drawbacks of different devices. So, I mean, I, I did some research on my own, And that was tedious, to be honest. I I found that probably the most tedious part because we obviously want to make sure we get the right thing and something that could also sustain the sort of stuff that we want to do. I mean – it's obviously going to be at the quote-unquote hobby level, but it's something that we want to be rugged enough to survive in the elements and be consistent enough for us to to rely on it. But basically, I ended up settling on a station called the Davis Vantage Pro 2. It was pretty trusted and got a lot of good reviews, and it was actually the National Weather Service rep who I spoke with. He It was one of the ones that he recommended. And then... After that, yeah, we bought it off Amazon, <laughs> did some research on what, what, what exactly we needed. And then I spent a couple hours, a few doors down from the podcast room with a screwdriver and an Allen key and put it all together. And then, you know, once I really figured out, OK, how, how does this work and, and what it does, then I had to do the, the much more difficult part, which was to actually install it on the roof.
0: Yeah, that's that's the one I was most interested in. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that process. So, I mean,
1: we had it ready to go for a couple weeks. And then we secure a spot on the roof of our building, which for people who may not know, we're on, you know, sort of right off the West Shore Expressway Mm -hmm. um, by the South Avenue exit. So we we found a spot on the roof. I fixed it up there. But the way that this works, really, is that it needs to connect to, to a, a, what, what basically comes down to a Wi-Fi router that'll then send the data to the internet. And that was a very, very extremely tedious process. Getting up there with the weather station was one thing, getting it screwed into the a pole... W- That was far easier than everything else that followed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, and I'm curious now, and and I think we're gonna take a little trip up there, uh, take a little field trip on this podcast uh, for I think the first time actually that that we've done something like this. But just so people can kind of see, for those watching on uh, YouTube or wherever Mm -hmm. else we might post this, otherwise we'll obviously talk through it and so everyone for the audio medium can understand.
1: We're on, right now, the roof of the Staten Island Advance, um, where on one side we have view of New Jersey, that way we have view of Manhattan, and then To our right, right now we have a view of the South Shore. Shore, Yeah, Yeah, and then the East Shore, obviously in front of us. Um, We're probably a couple hundred feet off the ground. Nine stories up, so. Yeah, about nine stories up right now on the green roof, um, which has some vegetables and some fun things on it. But also above us, um, another fifteen or so feet is the the weather station. Yeah, so I'm excited to get up there. Mm -hmm. I will let you lead the way, though, because. Yeah. uh, So I mean, there's there's a pretty secure ladder. Um, getting up there with the weather station was less than fun. Um, I'm, I'm not particularly afraid of heights, but um, I don't exactly love it. So this is the Davis weather station right here. This is measuring wind speed for us. Um, this is the cup I mentioned a, a, a little bit earlier. Basically, it fills up with water. There's a little bit of a sensor in there that'll basically it'll tip um, and that'll start a, a rain event. And these are just so birds don't um, go inside of it Uh, this is what transmits the data is also uh, temperature reading in there and yes i mean it's it's really all in itself like i said it's not that large Um, but we found this to be a good place it gets really good wind readings for us obviously you see it's reading wind right now so if we went on the app we'd be able to see what this is what this is doing and then the the precipitation the temperature is all real time so yeah that's that's sort of where, where we are with this
0: it's interesting you know it's really not even
1: that windy up here that thing is spinning yeah yeah it's not but i mean it's, it's just such specificity so th- this is telling the direction yeah and this is telling the speed obviously which is pretty cool and yeah i mean it, it th- that's the one thing we considered obviously we're a little bit higher so the wind speeds up here may be slightly higher than you'd feel oh, on the ground but there's, right. there's always going to be caveats with individual weather stations so that'll just be one of ours
0: but just generally speaking i mean right now what is this maybe like a 10 10- that's
1: out. a little less than that. I think when I saw it, I think it was only a few miles, I think like four to six.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, but if it really gets going, then if oh, we're it, in a if, storm, that thing is going to be spinning like Yeah. I've been,
1: I've been up here when it was about 15 to 20 and it, it goes. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, for sure. And where does
0: the temperature reads come from? So temperature so got, reads come from this. is for precipitation. This from, is for
1: wind. Coming from this. Right off yeah, there's this. Yeah. Internally inside of this, there's, like I said, that spoon gauge is in here and a few other sort of things that are sort of doing it and this is sending the data out as well. That's what this antenna is for and stuff like that and that's what shoots out the RF signal and then the RF signal is received by a router a couple floors below us right now. Mm-hmm. The closest we can get it so that it can actually send data to us, that was sort of the one of the little uh, caveats we had to deal with but um, now it's, it's operational and um, maybe I can even get us on the app here in real time so
0: have we used the data yet we have
1: not so i mean like this is you know we see what this so this reading here This 82 degrees fahrenheit that's from this specifically it gives us it's a little bit difficult to see but how much rain we've had over the past 24 hours and the current wind speed and things along those lines so um, this is sort of the, the basic the manifestation of the data so I'm
0: just curious, and it's not much of a difference, right? But we talked about the specificity here. I yeah. just pulled up my weather app yes. on my phone. It has New York at 81 degrees. Exactly. Which is probably what it is in Central Park. Exactly. But yeah. Here on Staten Island, we're at 82 degrees. Exactly. It so it might not be a huge difference, but it is a difference. I,
1: I mean, I, I, I did get to see a little bit of a difference in some of the uh, days last week compared to, um, you know, Newark and. There was a couple of degree difference at most which is which is fine because you want it to be accurate obviously which is right right which it has been but um that greater specificity yeah that's that speaks to it
0: yeah and you know we've been doing uh video with the podcast for a little bit now but yeah. it's pretty much been the same experience whether you were listening you know just on your usual podcast app, spotify apple whatever or if you were watching it on youtube this is the one podcast i would say you might want to check it out on youtube yeah. because it is really cool up here. Like Joe was saying earlier, this is my first time on the roof up here. Very nice, we've got the rooftop garden. Uh,
1: so yeah, I mean, the, the, the views from here are, are pretty incredible. That, down there, if you can see it, that's that's the Bayonne Bridge. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's you got the Gothels over here. I'm trying to see. You know, Gothels behind Eric down there. Then. The south shore as we go down that way
0: so i'm assuming that this cup up here we would need a lot of rain for this to overflow this, right? yeah, Is yeah any situation no, where- it flows
1: dude i i i'm not sure the exact um abilities other people to understand the depth of it it's about you know a few inches deep um that would be unprecedented yeah. <laughs> I, I would say the the weather station at that point would be the least of our concerns yeah okay okay well,
0: that makes sense um
1: but yeah so that's that, that's really it so this is where you're going to be getting some of this data from and this is you know when when you see it in stories this is the the culprit behind it so hoping that it uh it gives us reliable stuff and hopefully you'll see it um in
0: in stories soon just want to talk a little bit about kind of how the weather station works yeah. and, and, and what it mm. does while it's sitting up there on the roof and transmits that data and, and all that good stuff.
1: Basically, it's really not that large of a device. It's it's probably, maybe I'm overestimating, about two feet tall and about a foot or so wide, it has a cup on top of it, and it tracks a few different measurements, most notably temperature, wind speed, and precipitation. Those are the three major ones from it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It'll basically send out that data using what I believe is an RF signal, which sends to that router that I mentioned, and then that router sends it to WeatherLink, which is online, which is how we will access... Yeah,
0: that was going to be my next question, is how yeah. are we, as
1: the reporters, yeah, getting
0: this data to then get it out to yeah, the people?
1: Yeah, there's, there's an app for us, and then there's also online as well. I I want to say it may also be public in, in general, so people will be able to see if they want to, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that. We're, we're still in the process of it is working, which is great, and it is sending us data, and we're just giving it a little bit of a test run to make sure that it's – giving reliable data that the temperature isn't like way out of whack that the precipitation isn't way out of whack so i've been over the past couple weeks i've been waiting for a rain event like we've had the last few days Mm -hmm. and then calling up the national weather service and being like what do your satellite forecasts say that Staten island should have received and seeing if we're sort of within that range and we have been so far so that's been the the cool thing so far but that's that's basically the rundown of how the station itself actually works
0: yeah, and so have we come up with a name for the station? I know we've joked about this before, but they do have you know some people have the Doppler radar, right? Do we have like an Ostapiu radar I'm, I'm, going I'm on saying, here? Do we have
1: anything? I'm I'm very open to the name. I think when I made the account, it's just the Staten Island Advanced Weather Station. But I am I am more than open to name suggestions. The, if the audience would like the name, it that's I'm, what I was I'm just more just than gonna happy. Say,
0: if the audience has any suggestions on what we should name yeah. our weather station, please feel free feel to free to reach out to us. The Mayor of Maple Avenue is a powerful multipart podcast about Sean Sinisi, a victim of former Penn State football coach Jerry Sandusky, who was arrested 10 years ago for numerous child sexual abuse charges. The podcast series is written and hosted by Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter Sarah Gannam, who takes listeners into the world of addiction rehabilitation, where society can be quick to celebrate the consequences for abusers while not addressing the needs of their victims. Subscribe now to The Mayor of Maple Avenue wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk a little bit, and and you touched on this earlier Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of like the types of stuff we would be kind of including in our stories. How will this really improve some of our weather Mm -hmm. coverage moving forward compared to kind of what we have available to us now?
1: I'm just excited to see the capabilities of it and, and see really like what it can do over longer periods of time. The idea is that the longer it goes, we'll have a period of record to reference back to. And if we, you know, by the end of the the year, we should be able to say, from this period to this period, from January 1st to December 31st, we experience X amount of heat waves with temperatures over 95 degrees and and things like that. And then we can see changes over time, too, which will be cool. So that, to me, is a, is a massive capability. We'll be able to do these sort of run-throughs of Staten Island in, in terms of annual precipitation, annual temperature, and, and things like that, which I find very interesting. But also, there's opportunities in the individual weather events. When we're reporting on a heat wave that stretches four, five, six, seven days... And stuff like that has real implications for people's lives. We'll be able to give a greater level of specificity to Staten Islanders and give them a better sense of what's going on. And the same thing for storms. When when we're talking about massive gusts happening, we we may be able and hopefully we will be able to say at some point, you know, we clocked a 60-something mile an hour gust at this point. And that'll sort of give us a picture of when was the worst part of this storm. And that, that, that's the sort of coverage I'm sort of envisioning now. But the opportunities are probably wider than that. It, I, I feel like I'm, I'm looking at it through a, a hole right now, but there's, there's a lot more there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the the long-term possibilities that we have that you kind of mentioned are, are really interesting to me, especially as we see with climate change and global warming. And when, you know, early on, right, we're going to use this for specific weather events, but if this thing is in service for years down yes. the line, we can say, okay, well, the average temperature in August in 2023 was this. this, but now it's three degrees yeah. warmer, mm-hmm. and you know we used to get this much rainfall at this time of year, mm-hmm. and now we're getting this much, and yeah. what does that mean? And kind of extrapolating those types of things out, I think is yeah. is really interesting and something that our readers would would probably resonate with as well. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads me to my next question. Weather coverage is something that I feel sometimes gets forgotten in news almost, but it's also, at the same time, one of the most popular things. Yeah. And so the weather stories on our site, tend to resonate really well, like mm-hmm. they, they are very well received, and they, they are very well read. And we see a lot of people kind of flocking to those things, even if it's not a particularly inclement weather event, even if it's just a what's the weekend forecast sort yeah. of thing. So I'm curious, and, and it might sound like kind of a dumb question, but wh- why do you think that our readers care so much? And why do these stories kind of resonate so well with them?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, for people who don't really know the back end of the of the site, I mean, the, the weather stories often are one of the higher performers. In weather ve- and crime. Yeah, weather and crime, yeah, for sure. And it's what affects people. Weather affects all of us. It's something that's most noticeable when things are bad. And I think mm-hmm. that's when people, you know, want more information. I mean, like when I'm writing these stories, I'm, I'm thinking about people who want to make decisions with the best information available. And sometimes forecasts... Give you somewhat limited information, but sometimes they give you better than limited information. And Staten Island knows what happens when weather goes really bad, unfortunately, and when yeah. forecasts struggle to to deal with certain you know, situations. Something about Superstorm Sandy, which was a very unusual event in a lot of ways, but I think that's really what it is. It's just it's something that affects people in a very in-your-face type of way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So when something like that comes across their newsfeed or comes on their phones, they're like, I want to know about this because I want to have the information I need to deal with this, whether it's today, tomorrow. And even if it is as mundane, it's just like, do I need an umbrella for work tomorrow? Right. It's a little thing, but it's something that somebody would rather have the information of rather than not. So it's not always as serious as, hey, my home's going to flood today or, or, or hey, we got to make sure the AC's on because it's going to be 102. It, it could be something far you know, simpler than that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned that the weather impacts people, right? And mm-hmm. it also impacts our environment here on Staten Island and, mm-hmm. you know, across the city and the state and the country and the world, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit, you know, we've covered a lot with the weather station. I want to talk a little bit about the weather that we've been experiencing recently and, mm-hmm. and kind of the role that that's playing on the people and on the, on the mm-hmm. places that we are in all the time. And so there's a couple different aspects I want to hit. First, I want to talk, and you had mentioned heat waves. Yeah. A few weeks ago, we had uh, what was, I believe, our first, first heat, heat wave, wave yeah. of the year, which they define as three straight days three of of 90 degrees or higher mm-hmm. temperatures. So, I want to just talk a little bit about heat waves and and kind of the impacts that those high temperatures can have on Staten Islanders, both both the residents here and also just our natural environment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, as background, high heat is the deadliest form of extreme weather. There isn't any other form of extreme weather that's deadlier. It kills more people than flooding, then tornadoes, then hurricanes. Uh, it's dangerous. I mean, from you know just a flat out standpoint, especially for people who are very young and very old, those are the most vulnerable. So when they say during those heat waves check on the vulnerable, that's, that's who they mean. And obviously also people who have underlying conditions. So extended heat waves, and we're talking about not just one day where it's extremely hot, but multiple days, it just amplifies that risk. That can go three days, four days, five days. And it, it only escalates. When we're talking about climate change, we're talking about average temperatures over long periods of time. So the big number that we see a lot is 1.5 degrees uh, Celsius, but that's, that's over a long period of time. But, you know, you could still have elevated chances, and we do have elevated chances for extended heat waves because of climate change. So because the planet is warming, it's more likely that we have these longer stretches of heat. So that's that's like sort of the, the basis. But to answer the question about people, I mean, obviously heat stroke is a major risk. That's, that's mo- what most often occurs in terms of fatal you know instances in heat waves. It's really the way the body responds to it. Our bodies do what they can to deal with heat. So, I mean, everybody who's listening to this or watching this is knows some of these things. When your body sweats, Right, it's your. It basically is cooling the blood below your skin. Your body is shooting out blood to your extremities so that it can cool off that blood and send it back to your internal organs, which need to be cooled down. In that process, your heart rate increases, your blood pressure decreases. The problem is, is that that goes for too long, you can get to a state of extreme exhaustion, mm-hmm. fatigue. That's really your body telling you, "Hey, we have to slow down because we can't do any, We can't do this anymore." And then, uh, unfortunately, that could lead to internal organs failing and what ends up being heat stroke, which could absolutely be fatal. So at some point, high heat combined with dehydration just leads to a point where your body can't sort of press anymore. So that's why heat is just so dangerous. And obviously, we've seen when we have high heat and lack of rain, we see things like drought, we see things like just in general, the the area is a lot more brittle. On Staten Island, that can mean more brush fires. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a pretty big concern, especially in parts of the West Shore where that's a little more like, you know, I'm thinking the Travis neighborhoods and things yeah. like that, where that's a little more common. So there's, there's a lot of cascading impacts, and obviously for wildlife uh, as well when it comes to heat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so the, the next topic that I wanted to kind of touch on is the heavy rain that we've been seeing recently. Mm. And obviously rain is a common occurrence. We're used mm. to it. We see it all the time. But anecdotally, of course, I've noticed some of the rain that we have had recently has just been absolute downpours. And I've Mm -hmm. been seeing, you know, instances where uh, the rain is just coming down a little heavier than I really remember ever Mm -hmm. seeing. And so that obviously has all sorts of implications in terms of if you have anything going on outdoor that you need to be doing. If you need to be driving around, there's concerns about that. There's Mm -hmm. the flooding. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about – Just kind of why it might be that we're seeing such heavy rain recently. And then also, as with the last question, just some of the kind of the impacts that the borough could see as a result of that.
1: Yeah, extreme rainfall is another one of those impacts of climate change. To sort of basically give a picture of that, I like to think about a single air molecule, okay? So if you think about a single air molecule, when that molecule is warmer, so when the atmosphere is warmer, it can retain more moisture, So what was once this, and people who can't see, I'm basically (laughs) making a circle with my hand, is basically extended. and becomes larger. And moisture then fills that up. And then storms, which are great at wringing all of the moisture out of that, can drop that in the form of extreme rainfall. I I think the most present example of that for us was Ida, Mm -hmm. which was now a couple years ago, I think. I believe so, Yeah, Yeah, it was a couple years ago. And I mean, we saw rainfall that literally was able to overwhelm the infrastructure that we have in place, which is set for about two inches of rainfall an hour. It it, it 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 blew by that, and then it flooded people's homes. And in parts of New York City, it killed people, people in basement apartments mostly. So I mean, that's some of the impacts when it comes to it. It's difficult to tie climate change to individual events immediately afterwards. But I think the biggest thing is, and this is from all of the climate experts I speak to, it's more so that as the planet warms, it just makes these these uh, situations more likely. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's not even necessarily the best way to think about it is, oh, did climate change cause this? It's more so thinking, well, climate change made this m- more likely right. than it would have been otherwise. So if the planet wasn't as warm as it is now, it, this would have been less likely. But yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the, the borough, we basically anywhere has an extreme vulnerability to extreme rainfall in, in New York City. We have sewer infrastructure that can only take so much. And if we're talking about if it rains... And then on, you know, the next day it rains again and, and even heavier, the ground has already absorbed all the water it can. It can't yep. really do much more than that. And if we have a nightmare scenario where we have a coastal storm that's already flooding parts of the island and then rain on top of that, I mean, that was the one thing with Sandy that wasn't really an element. It was really just from the coast. There wasn't excessive rainfall. If something like that were to happen, it would be catastrophic, really. Yeah. All
0: right. So the the last thing I wanted to talk about in terms of kind of the environmental impacts is... And this is something that was a little more present a few weeks ago, and it was really inescapable. I mean, you went outside and you saw it, which was the air quality that uh, we had experienced from the wildfires, uh, in Canada. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that and and just kind of the impacts that that has on the residents and the environment and and, and what we can expect in that moving forward.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that was something that was one of the more otherworldly things I think I've I've seen, you know, in person. Wildfires aren't really something we think about in New York City and for good reason, it's just not something that's very present for us. Mm-hmm. Obviously much different than the West Coast, and who deal with that on a, on a pretty regular basis. And it's like sort of a part of life um, over there, but it's, it's not so much here. And you notice it because when it came here, I think every single newspaper had it on their front page. Yeah, <laughs> it looked like the apocalypse. Outside. It definitely it really, did. The new Fallout game
0: just came out <laughs> essentially is what it was. It,
1: it definitely did. I mean, we have brush fires, but they're never they never escalate to the scale where it really degrades air quality to that point. So that's... You know, something where I wanted to speak to some people who do deal with that on the West Coast. And I actually spoke with an expert, uh, sort of um, completely by chance, who I was actually born on Staten Island, which was incredible. Oh, wow. Um, and, and he spoke to me a little bit about some of the things that they deal with there and how it's sort of a regular way of life. And people understand, okay we're going to have lower air quality today. We should drive less cars today. Mm-hmm. We should make sure that the air purifier is going, something that everybody basically has. And I yeah. know, I'm sure air purifiers were selling out on Staten Island when that happened. In the West Coast, it's sort of just like a common thing to have in your home. To answer your question, I mean, we've seen wildfires raging a lot more in Canada than they have been in previous years. And in other parts of the country too, there's a lot of things that go into that. Of course, a lot of wildfires, unfortunately, are sparked by human error. It's not always yeah. you know, like lightning strikes. It's it's unfortunately some campfires that aren't put out. And when you have dry, brittle conditions, which relate back to what we talked about with climate change, is sort of allowing these um, situations to be the right mix for fires to spread. Um, it could get out of hand very quickly. And you know, uh, people have seen some of the images out of Canada. It's it's pretty incredible. And obviously, we saw the devastating effects of fires in, in Hawaii recently. In terms of what we can expect, I, I was basically told that it's more likely that wildfires happen more often. How the smoke gets here relies on a lot of things. Weather patterns have to be right. And we saw that in that sort of span for a little bit where like when it was right over us, it was very bad. But then... Mm -hmm. about a week or so afterwards it wasn't as bad but it was somewhat still hazy and stuff like that. Maybe you wouldn't even notice it if we didn't tell you it was a wildfire. Right. So uh, there's a lot of conditions that have to go in place, but the idea is if it's more likely that wildfires occur, it's therefore more likely that we may have to see that again or or see something, you know, like that again, especially if it's in Canada. Wildfire can even come from across the country in, you know, the western part of Canada, and we've had that before in in, in recent years, but um pollutants in that smoke are dangerous. We saw it when you're outside, you can taste the air. And, Truly, yeah. And, and it was not, like you were around a campfire. Yeah, and, and not not in a good way either. It was it was definitely difficult. I know I have family members who have asthma, and they noticed it a lot. It was very difficult for them. These are people who normally have to check the air quality, but when we're talking about it getting into deep red levels for when people who are healthy, it's still dangerous. It's, it's rough. Pollutants in that smoke have been found to be worse than pollutants coming from tailpipes, which is another you know, obviously source of emissions that we have to deal with sometimes. But to, to say that it's, it's, it's worse than that is <laughs> is obviously a, a concern. Um, and, and, you know, smoke pollution, I, I discovered a story recently, it's, it's um, linked to an increased risk of dementia if you deal with it over long periods of times and cardiovascular issues and cognitive issues, because it, it's not good to sort of be exposed to that level of pollutant over long periods of time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so, this last question that I have for you is something that we have discussed previously, and I know is a bit of a, a loaded question in, mm-hmm. in many ways. But before we go, I wanted to talk just generally about different things that New York City and Staten Island, specifically, I guess, can better prepare itself mm-hmm. for these extreme weather events, considering the fact that, as yeah. you've said, these are likely becoming more common. And so, <laughs> your little laugh at the beginning <laughs> kind of gave it all away. It is a it, hard question. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's a hard question, I th- and it's something I grapple with when I report on it because it really is a hard question I mean I, I think the first thing we could start at things we can all agree on which is that when warnings are, are are there you should take them seriously and and even if that means sometimes when the warnings don't always come to their full fruition which is frustrating I I, I acknowledge that I've spoken to people who did deal with who have dealt with that and it, I definitely empathize with that sort of issue if you're uprooting people and making all these changes and something doesn't happen you're, you're frustrated. But, I, you know, I mean, in the, in the event of, like, flooding, you got to know when it's best to evacuate. And during heat, don't overexert yourself and check on other people. Those are sort of the things that you could tangibly do. And it may seem very simple, but those things really go a long way to somebody not being in the hospital or a situation not being worse. As terrible as a home flooding is, it's far worse if a loss of life is there as well. But I've also done reporting on how leadership can improve on this. And I've, I feel pretty strongly about this, that the city can still do a lot better it's not really a bad thing. I think everybody wants it to work. It's not really something where I feel like there's an adversarial side of it. I mean, outside of them saying that maybe they think that they don't, they can't do better. But yeah. a lot of the people I've spoken to think that the city can do better. And, and coming at it from a very good place, we just, we want it to work. Because really, if it works, then it's everyone else is safer. That includes things like better geo-targeting on alerts. In other words, not giving alerts for all of Lower Manhattan. Maybe giving alerts for sections of Lower Manhattan, that are going to be at risk. Because for individual weather events, those broad stroke warnings aren't always that accurate and then it 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 lessens the impact for people. Stuff like that could be improved. Just education on it in, in general can be improved. I mentioned some of the stuff about California. It's just like their population just understand it a lot better. It's obviously something they deal with often, but you know, we deal with, you know, things like flooding often and I feel like we could still do a lot better with it. So it's just like the idea that we can improve messaging and improve communication. I mean, we we I think you and I spoke about it you know, when the wildfires were happening, there was a muted response initially from from City Hall. Yeah. I mean, I remember that whole day went by, the first day went by, and then we didn't get a, a statement. And I, I remember I was in like a drive-through and I got a statement like 11.31 p.m. The whole day went by at that point. And this is the first statement that the city is saying, on this, which which felt unacceptable as both a reporter, but then also somebody who lives here, as just a resident, yeah, yeah. just someone who lives here. Like once you saw that was happening, and, and the idea that like oh it was difficult to forecast, sure, but even the day before, I, I recalled I spoke with an AccuWeather forecaster who told me that this was a definite possibility, and I know the city has access to stuff like that, so it was just a little bit disingenuous to say that it wasn't, you know, you couldn't really prepare for it. I, I just think it's really about emergency prepare, preparation. It's like you can't really fall back on the excuse of oh it's difficult to forecast because that's what a emergency preparations about. Seldom are emergencies cut and dry and very easy to handle They're, they're emergencies for a reason. So I think there's a lot of work that's still to be done in terms of how we actually prepare for these extreme events.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Joe. It's always great having you on. and I'm really excited to see all of the uh, exciting things that you and the rest of our reporters can do with this, uh, this new weather station. Yep. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Staten Island Advances from the scene. If you like what you've heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Visit silive.com for the latest on all these stories and more. Thank you for supporting local journalism.